Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends. Welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. I am your host, Dahlia, also known as the president of Chickenlandia. I'm a backyard chicken educator that has found peace and joy in the chicken yard, and it is my mission to help you find that too. Welcome back. Today is episode 13 of season five, and we are going to talk about the bane of every chicken person's existence today, unless you, unless maybe if you live in Phoenix or Las Vegas or Tucson, but even in those places, there could be a time when this information I'm going to talk about today is important to you. We are going to discuss handling mud in the chicken yard, M-U-D. So you are going to want to stick around. Plus, I have a question that was submitted through my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com. It's about fowl pox, which is a very common question that I get. So you're going to want to stick around for that. I will chat for a little bit, then I will answer that question, and then I will open up the chat live here on YouTube for questions. If you want to submit a question to Bok Talk, all you have to do is go to welcometochickenlandia.com, go to the contact section, and while you are there, you are going to want to join the mailing list, Chickenlandia Nation. It is the greatest mailing list, chicken mailing list <laughs> ever to exist, and, and I will send you a discount for my online course Chickenlandia's Backyard Chickens 101, a chicken course for everyone. This is my super fun and interactive course. It is a great way to get direct access to me and ask me all the questions that you ever wanted to ask about chickens. I answer them in a timely manner. And also you can get access to the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor, who is my co-instructor. It's it's just a great course. I'm really proud of it. And I hope to see you there. Before I move on, I need to make two announcements because you guys know I got to pay these chicken bills. They're not paying themselves. These chickens don't earn money. <laughs> I have to pay for them, okay? And then they they eat the food that I buy. <laughs> All right, as always, this podcast was brought to you by the folks at My Favorite Chicken. My Favorite Chicken is my favorite online shop to get my feed. I get my non-GMO, organic, and socially responsible scratch and peck feed from there. Um, I get my supply, my chicken supplies, um, my fun chicken stuff, my chicken treats. 
It's all at My Favorite Chicken, and I will leave a link for you in the show notes. This podcast was also brought to you by the folks at Small Pet Select. (laughs) Small Pet Select is a small local company to me, and they have an online store that I know you will love. I have used so many different products from them. Uh, Right now, I am using... Of course, they're pet greens. I'm always using the pet greens. Those are the sprouts that you grow, you know, in the little sack and the little uh, pouch. Um, I use their organic pine shavings and I use their flaked oyster shell. My chickens love their flaked oyster shell. You can check these and other chicken products out by clicking the link in the show notes. And there's a coupon for you, too. And they also have fun stuff for other little animals like rabbits and chinchillas and hamsters and all those fuzzy little critters. (laughs) All right. So check them out. So I wanted to cover this topic because I know there are many of you out there that have been really dealing with a lot of mud this year. And in case you didn't know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. I live in Bellingham, Washington, So I am no stranger to mud, okay? (laughs) It it rains a lot here. Um, But I do feel like this year has been the worst year for me um, ever since I moved to my new chicken yard. I didn't move to the chicken yard, but to to my new property, and I got my new chicken yard. It has really good drainage, but this year has already been crazy with the weather. So, you know, there's been more mud in it than usual, and it's just not good. It's really something you want to handle Mud is dangerous, you know, muddy conditions are dangerous conditions for chickens, okay? Especially if if it's for an extended period of time. When chickens are living in conditions that are wet and muddy, they can become more vulnerable to, to disease. And there are parasites that thrive in those types of conditions. Um, and, and it's also like, Not only are parasites able to to thrive, but it's often like wet and cold during the muddiest time of the year. So this can create more stress. And we know that when our chickens are stressed out, they are more, more vulnerable to parasite infestation and they are more vulnerable to disease. That's just how, how it works. And then there's also the issue of chickens pooping in the mud. (laughs) which you can guarantee they will, okay, because they poop everywhere they go. And that creates this other issue, not only for the health aspect, okay, but also because it will really start to stink. Um, In a stinky chicken yard, they're not only annoying to us, but they're also annoying to our neighbors who might be less understanding about it, okay? Not a good situation. Basically, we just really don't want it to get to this point if we can help it. So having said that, obviously, prevention is the best route to take, okay? In a minute, I'm going to share with you some short-term solutions, but ultimately, if you are developing a lot of mud in your chicken yard and it's happening over and over again, that really means that there's a drainage issue in your yard that needs, you know, at some point to be fixed if you want to have a healthy chicken yard, okay? So if that's the case for you, at at some point, you know, you can do some of these things to help mitigate the issue, but you're going to have to consider making some big changes like digging some trenches to redirect the water out of your chicken yard or maybe even regrading your chicken yard so that that drainage issue can be resolved permanently. 
Okay. Otherwise, every year you're going to be chasing your tail and also creating the situation where you have to worry about mud, you have to worry about parasites, you have to worry about disease. It's happening over and over again. And we don't want that. That's, that's not, uh, that doesn't create peace in the chicken yard. It doesn't create peace and joy in the chicken yard, which is the goal. Okay. Both for you and your chickens. But, you know, having said all that, in the meantime, if you have chickens with their feet in the mud or their feet in water, you need a quick solution right away. Okay, so let's start with some very, very simple solutions. And remember, when I'm giving these suggestions, you know, mud and standing water, that's a that's is an emergency situation. So I don't want you to worry about having an Instagram ready chicken yard. Okay. <laughs> We're just going to concentrate on getting your chickens out of the water and out of the mud and not necessarily that it looks amazing. Okay. Um, depending on how deep the mud is, sometimes just laying down some two by fours or two by twos um, on the wet ground will give your chickens a dry place to stand on. And, you know, you can, you can like make little bridges with it to get from one place or to another. Um, cinder blocks is another thing that you can use. They, they will literally just stand on them. If that's the air, the place where there isn't mud, you will find that they will stand on them and you can use them on their own or in combination with some spare lumber you might have lying around. Okay. And create little little bridges and little areas where they can stand. Okay, of course, wooden pallets. Everybody loves wooden pallets. Okay, <laughs> they are great for giving chickens a place, uh, you know, a raised place to hang out on and be out of the mud. And and of course, you can find them for free sometimes. Just make sure that they are free of any chemicals, um, insects, exposed staples or nails or anything else that might be harmful for chickens. Because sometimes the pallets that you find, it they, they, they might be free, but they're not suitable for chickens because they have something on them or the, poly- the quality is so poor that it's actually more dangerous to have them around, Okay. But just remember that the idea is just to create some platforms so that your chickens are not standing in mud all day long, which is not good for them. All right. It's not good for their feet. And then we talked about parasites, disease, all that. So these are not permanent solutions, but they can they can really help. Okay. So and you know, honestly, you can use so many things. Like I've got I use coolers in the summer. I use like I make like a redneck air conditioner for my chickens in the summer. And for those, I use some old cooler coolers that I have and they came with like lids and I don't really use, like I don't use the lid for the air conditioner, but I could even like set those down in the water and that will give the chickens a place to stand. So whatever you can find, the main thing is you want to keep to get your chickens up out of that moisture so that they're not standing in it, especially if they're standing in it all day long. Okay. So those those emergency solutions will work great in a pinch. But the one thing that they do not do is they do not get rid of the smell. Um, in Chickenlandia, there is something that I call the the Chickenlandia mud hack, okay, <laughs> which I've been talking about forever on my YouTube channel. 
it involves using pine pellets, you know, pine pellet animal bedding. And you can find that at the farm store. They have it as horse bedding, or you can find it at the pet store as small animal bedding. And um, if you can't find the bedding kind, the kind that's, you know, it's just it's just 100% pine pellets and it's labeled as bedding. Um, there's also pine pellet cat litter that is 100% pine pellets. And it is the same thing and also very absorbent. Okay. But the, the cat litter kind is a lot more expensive, even though it's the same exact thing. It is a lot more expensive than the animal bedding and the horse bedding kind. Okay. Just make sure that whatever you get, it says 100% pine on it. You don't want anything else in it. Um, now I have had a lot of people ask me if the pine pellets for, you know, that you would use in like a wood stove would work. And my answer to that is I do know a lot of people that use those and they love them and they're, they're cheap. Um, so that, that's always great. I'm, I'm all for like things that are accessible to everybody. Okay. My only thought about them is I'm not sure, maybe they are, but I don't know that they are as absorbent as the animal bedding kind, because that's made specifically to absorb droppings and urine. Okay. So maybe they are, I really don't know that for sure. But if you're going to use them, just please make sure that they are 100% pine with nothing else added. You don't want anything else in there. Okay. So what you will do with these pine pellets is, you know, to, to help with the mud is just take it and sprinkle them very sparingly throughout the muddy areas. Okay. And, you know, when I say sparingly, I mean really sparingly and you'll, you'll feel like, oh gosh, this isn't enough, but they start to absorb moisture very quickly and they will expand a lot and you can always add more. So you sprinkle them around, they expand you can rake them around to have them absorb more moisture. And then at that point, you can add more if it's needed. Okay. But if you just dump a whole bunch, then you might be creating, uh, you know, something that you might have to remove later. And also you're wasting them. So, you know, might as well make them last. So the plus with pine pellets is that they smell good. And that this really helps with that gross, muddy, poopy smell that will come out of a muddy chicken yard, okay? And one thing I've done before, I don't do it all the time, but if I have them is I will, I will put the pine pellets down, rake them around a little bit, really help it to absorb the moisture. And then over the pine pellets, I'll put some playground chips. And that like is better looking than just the pine pellets. <laughs> like it just looks better. Um, and some people will say, oh, I just use the playground chips or the um, wood chips and it's fine. For very serious mud, I find that you really need something that is absorbent. So, and I'm used to dealing with serious mud up here in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> so that's why I use the pine pellets and then sometimes I'll also use wood chips. So, yeah, I mean... I think another thing that people ask me is, will the chickens eat the pine pellets? Because they, they, it kind of looks like food. But 
mine have never eaten them. They really shouldn't eat them. They might peck at them and like be curious about them and they might look like they're eating them. But if you actually sit there and observe them, they're actually not eating them because they can tell that it's not food. If for some reason you are witnessing your chickens eating the pine pellets, then my thought about that is that you really need to evaluate how consistently and how much you're feeding the chickens. And this is not like to make anybody feel bad because it can happen that you're not feeding your chickens enough and you don't really realize it. Okay. So if they're eating them, I would just, you know, give them some more food and make sure that they're not feeling like that that they're not feeling insecure about food. And usually that ha- would happen only in a, um, like an enclosed run situation. Free range chickens, I really don't think that you would ever have to worry about them eating the pellets because there's just so much on offer for them. But if they're an enclosed run and you have that situation, just, um, you make sure that you're feeding your chickens enough that they're getting a right, the right nutrition. Okay. But that is so rare. I really just don't think it's going to happen. Um, and if it does, then it's probably an indication of a deeper issue. Okay. So I hope that these tips help you. If you have an emergency mud situation, nobody wants that. Okay. <laughs> if you've got that in your chicken yard, I hope this helps. Uh, yeah, no one likes mud. Except parrots, uh, par- par- parrots. <laughs> I don't think parrots like mud. Parasites do, and bacteria does. <laughs> but anyway, we don't want that. We don't want the mud in our chicken yard. So I want to move on to the question I received through my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com. This one is from Kelly, and she asks, What is the best way to handle an outbreak of foul pox in my flock? I have one chicken with wet pox and I don't know, I don't want the other girls to be affected. So, okay. For those of you that don't know what Kelly is talking about, there is a virus that affects chickens and it is called foul pox. It's a herpes virus and it is a lot like the chicken pox that humans get. Okay, and just like humans, it's one of those things where if it affects one or two chickens in your flock, it is very likely that it is going to make its way through your whole flock. Okay, just like if in a daycare setting, you know, a couple kids gets chicken pox, it's like, okay, get ready because they're all going to get it. Okay. Um, Also, just like chicken pox, foul pox is usually mild. And although it, uh, it, of course, it can be uncomfortable, but it just, you know, most of the time it just needs to run its course and chickens will be able to get through it okay. So if you notice that it is happening, if you see it in your flock and you can see like if you, you, you should probably Google some pictures of it, but just keep in mind the pictures that you get are probably going to be like the worst case scenarios. <laughs> it just, it kind of looks like warts. It's like little spots on, usually it comes up first on your chicken's face. You can see it on on their combs and you, you can see it on the wattles and you might see it on their face, okay? Um, and if you're noticing that, just I just really want you to try and stay calm and remember that your best defense with any disease 
is to have a healthy flock in the first place, okay? So one that is well-supported with good nutrition and a low-stress environment, those chickens are going to be more resilient when it comes to anything that might enter the chicken yard, okay? That being said, there you know, you're probably going to want to do some things. You really want your chickens to get through it okay. Some things that you might consider doing, all right, is adding I'm just going to make a, a list here. Number 1 is add some immune boosting herbs to your flock's feed or to some scrambled eggs um and just feed it to the whole flock. You know, put some oregano, some thyme, some chopped up garlic. You can do this every day, every other day, um, you know, during uh, during the disease time, like, and b- before all of them have the the symptoms, you can do this, okay? Um, and you could do it a few times a week, even if your chickens don't have anything going on. It's just good for them, okay? But you're just wanting to give them some extra support. And if you put it in some scrambled eggs, then it's like, that's some good, like, really nutrition, nutritionally dense protein for them as well. I would add some electrolytes, vitamins, and probiotics to their water. You can, I I have a recipe for um, electrolytes, and I will leave that in the show notes. You can make homemade electrolytes, or you can go and buy electrolyte, vitamin, and probiotic powder at the farm store. Okay, I would add that to their water to help them get through it. Because, of course, with anything, you know, with any disease, the first thing, the first thing that might be dangerous for them is that they will get dehydrated. Okay. Because even, you know, just like people, sometimes we get sick, we don't want to drink as much. You really need to keep them hydrated. And, uh, and then, you know, the probiotics and the vitamins are also good for them as well. Um, you could use some Neosporin, the kind without pain reliever or some AND ointment on the sores. You know, especially if you see that they're, they're kind of irritated or whatever, you can you can use that on the sores. Now, I am someone that uses homeopathy. And I, I want to mention, because I always get some confusion whenever I talk about homeopathy, um, whether it's on my Instagram or here on YouTube or on my podcast. Uh, homeopathy, a lot of times th- that word gets confused with the word holistic, and holistic just means like a type of, you know, it's kind of like a, a philosophy where you look at the whole body when you're thinking about the, the health of an individual, you're looking at their, you're looking at them holistically. So you're looking at their whole body. And there's so many modalities that fall under the term holistic, like herbs would fall under that term. Homeopathy would fall under that term. Um, uh, you, you could say vitamins and supplements and mineral supplementation, all that, that would fall under that term. Homeopathy is, it's, is its own modality. Okay. And it's a certain type of natural medicine that's been around for a long time. Um, so I just want to make that clear because there's a, there's some confusion sometimes whenever, whenever I talk about homeopathy, some people are not into it. They think it's a bunch of hocus pocus, you know, <laughs> if you are that person, that's okay. It's still cool. You're still welcome in Chickenlandia. I have been using homeopathy for almost 30 years. Our family has a homeopath. You know, I have tons of homeopathic kits. I'm really into it. Um, 
So that's why I, I do share these remedies sometimes with people because I myself use them. Okay. So if you are open to homeopathy, there are a few different homeopathic remedies that you would use. You could use at different stages of foul pox because it is a disease that kind of, it goes through different stages. Um, so you might want to do a little bit of research on that. Um, but in general, if it were me, um, I would put what's called the 12 cell, so- cell salts into their water. Um, this is a product. You can buy it uh, from a company called Highlands, and it's called Bioplasma, okay? And what it is is it's 12 different homeopathic remedies. They're called the cell salts, and it's all in one pill, you know? And the and they're, they dissolve very easily. So you can put, like, maybe five of them in their water, and it dissolves and they get all of those cell salts, which is just going to help them help to support them through a, a stressful period. It's going to help them to absorb nutrients better. It's going to help to support their bodies and it's going to help them with their immunity. Okay. Um, and I would do that at the, at the beginning, like at the onset of the, the disease, I would do it maybe for like three to five days in their water and then, and it's very gentle. Okay. They're not going to overdose on it. It's not in, in any way dangerous for them. And in fact, it will, you know, so if you find like, um, weak eggs or something like that, or anytime your chickens are, are struggling, like maybe they've gotten over an illness or a period of really high stress, it is fine to give them some, some, uh, bioplasma in their water. Okay. And this is, I'm talking about cell salts. It's a, it's a homeopathic remedy. So yeah, it's very gentle and you can put it in the water if it has electrolytes. You can put it in the water if it's if it's got um, apple cider vinegar or something in it. Um, and then once they are they're through the worst part of it and they're like recovery, they're in that recovery time of the disease, I would give them give them that again and that will help them to recover better from the disease, okay? Now, wet pox that is something that only happens to some chickens and it is usually a sign that that chicken that it's happening to is already compromised in some way. It just doesn't have the same level of resilience as other members of your flock that are getting through the, the disease better. Okay. I would, I have to say for that, the best course of action would be to consult with a licensed veterinarian. Now I say that because it's true. I also understand that there are a lot of people that can't afford to see a vet for a chicken. And there are a lot of people out there that even if they can afford it, they're just no, there's just no one that's going to see chickens in their area. That is like a reality for a lot of people. But wet pox is very serious. It's a it's a very serious com- uh, complication of the disease, and you'll see like the the pustules are actually like in their mouths. You know, it's really in their sinus passages. They may be struggling to breathe. There may be a lot of mucus present, and this is very uncomfortable for them. So, first and foremost, like if you can't get to a vet, okay definitely you're going to want to remove that chicken from your flock, okay? And follow the rest method immediately, like start them on that. And um, 
Most of you probably know what I'm talking about when I say rest method. I've been talking about it a long time. If you don't know, I will leave that in the show notes for you so you can learn about it, okay? It's just a method that you can follow when you have a sick chicken. You know, no matter how they're sick, it's usually you can follow this method to help support them. It's just a method of supportive care, okay? I would consider um, a natural antibiotic, you know, something with natural antibiotic properties in it, um, like colloidal silver or maybe like an oregano, oregano oil supplement, you could use oregano oil. Uh, if you do that, it's one drop per gallon of water, okay? And you need to like mix it really, really well, really shake it up because you don't want them to get straight oregano oil into their mouth. It's, it would be very caustic to them, especially if they already got sores in their mouth, okay? Um, for wet pox, I would consider the homeopathic Rus, Rus Tox. So that's R- H-U-S-T-O-X um, in a 30, a 30C potency, okay? And that will come in like a little blue vial from a company called Boyron. That's usually what people find when they go to the health food store or when you go online, okay? They might need something different. They might need a different homeopathic remedy, but that's what I would start out with first because it is the one that is very commonly needed, for for foul pox, okay? And I'll leave a blog post on how to dose homeopathics for chickens. I'll leave that in the show notes. But even if you just, like, if all you can do is just put a few pellets in their water, you can do that and you can use it along with the cell salts, okay? You can't use it with oregano oil. Um, I'm, I think you could use it with colloidal silver, but you can't use it with like an essential oil. It's just, um, they are a counterindicate, like it's not dangerous, but the, an essential oil is so strong that it may cancel out the benefit of the homeopathic. Okay. Which is a, a very, very mild medicine. Another thing that you could do is consider some gentle essential oils, like just get um, peppermint, eucalyptus, lavender, maybe tea tree oil, and don't put it on your chicken. Don't put it in their water or anything. You can put a few drops of each of that on a paper towel and put that near them where they are, where, where they are, um, you know, they're separated from the flock. You can put that near them and you can take a paper towel and put some essential oils on it and put it in the coop as well. You know, if you have one chicken that is inside not doing too well, you give them a paper, you know, put a paper towel with essential oils on it near them. And you can also hang hang something up in the coop. You know, uh, sometimes it's really hard for a chicken to, to overcome wet pox. Uh, chickens can certainly die from that. Do the best that you can. Um, and remember that no matter what, your chicken had a great life. Okay, that's what we always try to remember. And believe me, I have to remind myself. You guys know I have to remind myself of that because it's hard sometimes and I feel guilty sometimes if I can't save a chicken. But um, it, sometimes it just happens, especially if a chicken already is not quite as resilient as they should be or they maybe have something going on. And even if you've never noticed it before, it's during times of disease when you find out what the weak, chick weak chickens are. Okay. All right. I hope this helps, Kelly. 
Um, thank you so much for your question. I, I appreciate it. And I am thinking about your flock. I know you sent this question probably about a week ago, so you're probably in it right now. You're in the middle of it. You will get through it. Your chickens will get to the other side and your, your flock will get to the other side. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to open up the chat for questions. Okay. So Christine Parks asks, some of my chickens have a high pitched sneeze in the morning. Should I be concerned? Um, it's normal to hear that sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, it's just like people, like sometimes they just need to sneeze. Maybe there's some dust or something going on, or they got, they're eating too fast. They got something in their nose. That's pretty normal to happen occasionally. If it happens all the time, and certainly if it is something, you know, it's accompanied by uh, someone looking lethargic or looking sick or maybe some uh, drainage out of their nares, which are their nostrils, um, or their eyes or like bubbling around the eyes. Those are the things that you want to look for. Um, and that would indicate something respiratory going on. But, you know, I have chickens that sneeze every once in a while and it's not anything to be concerned about. But the main thing is that you want to see if there's like, if it's just like this chronic thing that's happening, then you're going to want to keep an eye on it. Or if it's something that is accompanied by other symptoms, then you're going to want to keep an eye on it and go from there. So, yeah, I mean, and then there are some chickens like I've known people and I've had a chicken that she just every once in a while, she would just have these sneezing fits and she lived a nice long life. And then one day she died and that was it. And uh, she was healthy her whole life. So it it could just be for whatever reason, they just sneeze a lot. And uh, the main thing is like, you're going to want to look and see if other symptoms are going on. Okay. And just keep an eye on them. Somebody said, has anybody seen mini Saramas? Celia Perry, has anyone seen mini Saramas? What are they like action figures? <laughs> Saramas are already so tiny. I have seen um, the Kirikiri ones. I think that's probably what you're seeing. They are in Puerto Rico. I think uh, mostly they're bred in Puerto Rico. Um, so, and they're adorable. But I always worry about them being not quite as hardy and, you know, be just because they're so small. And I don't know if chickens are supposed to really be that small. But then again, Sarama is really little too. <laughs> Kevin asks, uh, my chickens eat the small wood shavings in the run. Is this safe in small quantities? I would, I would really, really observe them because sometimes it looks like they're eating them and they're really not. If they are eating them and, you know, if they're acting normal and everything, I wouldn't worry too much about it, but it's not like, that, you know, I mean, they could get an impacted crop. They could have some other digestive things happen if they're like eating wood shavings. I would just really evaluate um, how much food they're getting and uh, take a look at what they're getting nutritionally. And that's not in any way to like accuse you, you know, oh, you're not feeding your chickens enough. Or you're not feeding them good enough food or whatever. It could just be you know, a lot of chickens these days, the way that they're bred, they're just nutritionally not getting enough because their bodies just don't absorb enough. So, you know, this might be a, a, a situation where you might consider fermenting their feed so that it becomes more digestible, the nutrients in it becomes more bioavailable um, to them. Uh, that would be good for them. But I, you know, 
gosh. This is one of those things where it's like you could use the bigger um the the shavings that have the bigger flakes and see if that helps. Because, you know, there's different sizes of wood shavings. <sighs> if they're not acting sick, then I probably wouldn't worry about it too much. But keep an eye on that. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't want my chickens to be eating a whole bunch of shavings, okay? Uh, small quantities, they, they will get some. Like if there's something in the, in the, in the shavings that they want to eat, they might get some. And, and that wouldn't be anything that was very concerning, but... I guess I, it depends on how much they're eating. But anyway, just keep an eye on them. They're probably going to be fine. Uh, Amanda asks, uh, pecking order, do chickens change it up regularly? Seems like my five always mix it up with who is on top. Poor butterscotch is always on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, there's always, there's always going to be somebody on the bottom and there's always going to be somebody on the top. Um, you know, they can change it up, especially if they're in a stage where they're growing and they're changing and they're getting older, they will be establishing things as they get, as they head to adulthood. Okay. And then once at adulthood, they may, they may reestablish things. If there is illness in the flock, they will reestablish things. If there is stress in the flock, they will reestablish things. Sometimes when a chicken gets old um, or injured or something like that, then there will be a, a, a rearranging of the pecking order. Um, generally, those that are on top, usually, you know, the more aggressive birds, they're going to be on top. They will stay on top and then the lower ones will just stay on the bottom. But you may see some changing of the guards up up on top. Um, and that's would be nothing to worry about. Just make sure they're not getting stressed out. Uh, Debbie asks, how many chickens do you have in total? <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> 32 plus 9. What is, <laughs> what is 39? 41? No, wait. <laughs> no. 51? No. No, wait. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. 40, 41. 41. <laughs> there you go. I was giving myself 10 extra chickens. <laughs> and then I have six ducks. Little Four asks uh, tips for integrating chickens. So um, I have a few videos that show the process of integration of integrating new chickens into an existing flock. It's really about allowing them to see each other, but not get to each other for at, at least a week or two. A lot of it depends on how old they are, you know, especially the young, the, if you have younger ones that you're uh, integrating into a, a flock of older ladies, that's going to take longer but basically what you want to do is have the chickens that you're integrating into your flock in a separate area that is fenced in somehow and your but your existing flock can come right up to that fence and they can sit stand there and stare at each other through that fencing and they can do some of their posturing through that fencing but they can't get to each other because you what you don't want especially if you're integrating young chickens into an existing flock 
is you don't want them to, you don't want to just throw chickens into a new flock because they can get really hurt. And if they're young, they can get killed. Okay. So we don't want that. We want to give the chickens an opportunity to work out some of that, some of that gesturing, some of that posturing before they can actually physically touch each other. And then when you do let them out, when you do let the the new chickens in with the existing flock, you're going to see some squabbling. You're going to see uh, fighting. You're going to see chasing. You're going to see chickens pecking each other on the head and one running away and all that. You're going to see chickens hiding. That is, that's normal, okay? What you don't want is to see blood being drawn. When blood is drawn, the process needs to start over again, okay? So when you're integrating, like the actual act of integrating, you've got to keep an eye on them and make sure that that no one's drawing blood, okay? The other thing is if they're really keeping them from food and water, then you have to keep an eye on that, okay? Whenever I'm doing a process of integration, there's going to be lots of enrichment in the run, There's going to be more than one station for food and water to make sure that everybody's getting what what they need and also to distract them, okay? So I will leave um, a link to a couple videos in the show notes for you so that you can watch them and see, just see that process because it really helps to see the actual process of integration so you can feel good about it. All right. Uh, Melissa asks, how many tablets of the cell salts dissolved in their water? I would probably, you know, if you have um, a gallon waterer or a couple gallon waterer, I would probably put about five pellets in there and dissolve. They're very, they dissolve very quickly. But even if you, if you accidentally put 10 in there or whatever, they're not going to, they're not going to overdose on that. Okay. It just, that's just not how homeopathics work. Okay. Um, but you would be wasting it. So (laughs) I would would put just about five pellets per gallon of water and, and, and mix it up a little bit and they'll dissolve very quickly. Oh, folks, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you to my moderator and co-producer, Kelsey Paulus, also known as the Chickenlandia presidential advisor. Thank you to Talking to Crows for editing this episode and to Double M Ranch for their wonderful podcast art. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate and review it and give it a like uh, in on YouTube. If you're here right now, <laughs> give it a thumbs up. Um, but the main thing I want you to remember above all else is that you are always welcome in Chickenlandia. Bye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.